Hello everybody, welcome to Ben Again, episode 6, part 2. I would call this episode 7, because it is the 7th episode. Bo-yer-em. That's how English people say, but yeah, um, they say, Bo-yer-em. I learned that because I like watching videos of British people talk, and they're funny. Just their accents, they're my favorite. Anyway, Bo-yer-em. This would be number 7, but it's number 6, part 2, because unfortunately... At the end of number six, part one, I was cut off, and apparently in the middle of a story that needs to be finished, I'm told. Uh, kind of, uh, kind of irking, irking, I-R-K, irksome, irkin. It, it irks me that it ended that way, because I was home alone, right? And I decided I wanted to record that podcast, and I told my girlfriend, I want to record a podcast, but I'm not going to do it if you're going to be home soon because I don't want to be interrupted. I specifically messaged her that. I said, I'm only going to do this if I have time. I need up to a couple hours. She said, oh, don't worry. Go ahead, record the podcast. I won't even be leaving for two hours. And it's 15 minutes away from, you know, her parents' house. So I had two hours and 15 minutes. Less than two minutes after she messaged me that, I instantly hit record. I was like, let's do this. I, uh you know, how the last one started off. You could tell that I didn't sit and prepare for it. I just started it, just like I did with this one, because it's part two. I'm technically in the middle of number six still. So anyway, she said, yeah, I won't even leave for two hours, so I've got two hours and 15 minutes in my head. 53 minutes in, then I hear the dog bark, you know how that ended, and she's here, and I'm thinking, God damn it, why would you tell me you're not leaving for two hours if... You know, if I had known you were going to be home this soon, I would have waited. I hate being interrupted. And if you've never tried to record a video or a podcast while someone's home, it's fucking weird. They're just listening to you talk to yourself into the microphone by yourself. It, it can't be done. It feels too weird. So yes, I'm home alone right now. Taylor left for work a little bit ago. I hope to return to work uh, of some sort soon myself. I'm really getting sick of being home all the time, especially in winter when you're just trapped indoors. Super depressing. I understand the seasonal depression, because when winter hits, every day the sky looks white, the ground is white, my skin is white. Ugh. <laughs> I guess there's no problem with white skin. Anywho, I'm going to finish up this podcast with some more stories. But first, you know, formalities. Today is Thursday. February 1st, 2018. Like I said, this is number six. How are you? Hope all is well. Not too bad here on my end. I mean, not a whole lot has changed. Uh, fucking Valentine's Day is right around the corner. And if you're like me, you don't give a fuck about Valentine's Day. That's definitely uh, for females. No guy gives a shit about it. Unless he's planning on getting his dick sucked. Or getting some visage. Other than that, we don't care. Here's your chocolates. Here's the obligatory flowers. Yep, so cliche. Stupid-ass holiday. Anyway, on this day in history, today's The More You Know segment, uh, on this day in history, serial killer, America's most famous serial killer, Ted Bundy, struck again. He actually officially became a serial killer today because you're not a serial killer until you kill X amount of bitches, and today was that Xth bitch. So he officially went in the record books as a serial killer today. Uh, 
You know, I, I honestly, this is such a coincidence because I have been watching serial killer documentaries lately. They're super addicting. And I'm just filling my brain with more useless information that I can spew out to people and become one of those dudes who are just full of useless information. That's me. So, uh, you know, uh, serial killers like Ted Bundy and Ed Gein and uh, what's the one who ate a bunch of people? I don't know. I've watched so many of them that all the information overlaps and I can't even remember which serial killer did what. So, anyway, uh, Ted Bundy, the documentary on him on YouTube is, is great. It's, uh, it really illustrates how fucked up women are. Not all of you, you're not all fucked up, just most of you, your gender. You just have these tics. And I know how you like bad boys, you know, it's always, it's always been a thing. Good guys finish last. Nice guys finish last, and girls like bad boys. And then, you know, most girls will say, That's not true, I want a nice guy who will wine me and dine me and stroke my hair and make me feel pretty. When in reality, 90% of women want a bad boy who will put you face down in the pillow and just jam that sausage in there, just rail you. That's what girls want, you know, along with money, big dick, muscles, tall, dark, handsome, all these other things. That's what women want. But Ted Bundy was a, actually a, a good-looking, physically, you know, a good-looking guy. Probably not the type of guy you'd want to bring home to your family, since he, he's murking bitches and leaving their bodies out and all over the place. But he was a decent-looking fella. He was uh, articulate, meaning he could translate his thoughts into words relatively smoothly. Working on that myself, because you sure do sound more intelligent when you can do that. I think we all kind of bumble around in our head, and we sound great to ourselves, but then when we spew it out, people are like, Who's this idiot? You kind of stutter and forget words, and all these things happen smoothly in your head, but when you try to talk to people, you don't quite sound quite as Einsteinish as you do in your head. And you only get so many stutters before someone fucking finishes your sentence for you. So last uh, Thursday, I uh, get to it. We have short attention spans. You gotta fucking. You gotta do your shit, otherwise people aren't interested anymore. So, uh, Ted Bundy. One thing that I found just fascinating about him, besides the fact that he was badass and ballsy enough to represent himself in a court, he turned down a representative. He decided to represent himself, and he pretty much earned his law degree by reading books while behind bars, and became super smart and learned the lingo and paced around the court like he had done it a thousand times. Pretty cool stuff. But women adored him. They, he was stabbing bitches in the, in the chest and leaving their dead bodies all around. But women loved him. They, they thought he was so sexy. They would show up at his court trial, you know, appearances, scantily clad. Scantily meaning, what's the nicer way to say, slutty. They would send him naked pictures. I'm sure Polaroids back in the day because they didn't have the technology to send high-definition pussy pics. <clears throat> But that was one thing they went over in the documentary was most of his mail, and he got a lot of it, was from females who were sort of courting him in a way. They were sending naked pictures and love letters and basically showing support for someone who was picking them off one by one. But that's just women for you. They don't make sense. Never have, never will. Women don't have to make sense. Logic just isn't their thing. They're one of God's special creatures and we must love them. Our only other option is guys. And if we're not gay, it's not a good option. Like my dad always said, why would you want a stinky, hairy, 
smelly, poopy butthole when you could have a plump, juicy vagina. If there ever was a chance that I would grow up gay, my dad solved that real quick. I was like, yeah, you're right. Why would anyone choose a hairy, stinky, smelly butthole over a plump, juicy, warm vagina? That alone should prevent so many people from going gay. So many guys. So anyway, uh, yeah, that happened. Ted Bundy, not Al Bundy. And I guess that says more about women than anything, is that they'll, they not only love bad guys, they love dudes who are American bitches left and right. They just love them. They can't resist it. They're crazy. It's in their nature. And, you know, typical women, oh, I'm not like that. I'm not like most girls. Meanwhile, you go on one date with her and she's like, oh, oh, oh. that's a dick sucking sound in case you didn't know. Girls like to pretend that they're not like other women, but they are. They're all the same. 99%. Every once in a while, you get a unicorn. One who's very pretty, very smart, funny, and actually not a whore. It's great. It's a great thing. You run into one of them, you count your blessings, son. So I'm going to pick up where I left off. Um, I did listen to the last five minutes of the last podcast, and generally I will listen to a podcast before I upload it to make sure I don't sound like a complete doofus. Because if I do, it will not reach the internet. Um, So I listened to the last five minutes of it, and where I left off was my encounter with an older chick that I, you know, always thought I would never have a chance with. It's something that, as a young guy, you always fantasize about. You know, when you're 14 years old, and puberty is hitting you hard, and you're just thinking, I just wish one of these older chicks would just whip her titties out and show me how it's done. And... It's not that I was lacking confidence, but I was a realist, as I am now. I just thought, there's no way that this older blonde chick who is, you know, what what am I doing? I'm fucking, I'm a young dude. I shouldn't be in this position. But here I am, I catch myself, I'm in her room. There's a chance to bang her. Looking back, pretty much every guy had a chance to bang her. And from what I've heard, you know, talking to people, every guy did bang her. So it's, it's not like I'm claiming to be some super badass here. She, uh, if you had a dick, she'd fuck you. And it's weird because she could have been picky. She was gorgeous. She was like at least a nine, you know, from the right angle, a 10. Just gorgeous and super smart and getting her master's degree and whatever. And for some reason, she just had no standards. If you had a dick, she would bang you. And uh, it showed too. I've had arguments with women especially on Facebook and, you know, in comment threads, that women like to say that it doesn't matter how many guys you have sex with, your vagina stays tight. That's what the vagina does. It's a muscle. And it's like, well, no. Um, Why do virgins have such tight vaginas when sluts, you could put your whole head up there? Why is that? Are you saying that's just coincidence? The vagina is a muscle. Don't be so self-absorbed that you think that your dick is going to destroy a vagina when it's meant to give birth. And it's like, well, bitch, I'm no scientist, I'm no biologist, I did take anatomy and physiology, and I just, I have a little common sense. The vagina dilates, it it slowly prepares. It prepares for birth, it widens. It's not always in that state. It prepares for birth and it sort of bounces back, not fully. I mean, you can tell when a chick has had a kid but it's not always prepared to get pummeled and pile-drived, pile-drove? Pile-driven by tons of dongs. And that's why you can tell when a girl has an Arby's sandwich for a vagina that she's probably not a virgin. So anyway, 
that's relevant here. Let me get to it. Um, I'm in Haley's room, and I have the chance to sort of take control, and I'm not that kind of guy. I mean, I'm not a beta male, I'm not a cuck. I, I know how to wear the pants, but not in this situation. I was young, and she was older, so it was kind of intimidating. She was gorgeous. I was still reeling from the aftermath of Breakup Central and just probably not in the right mindset for this sort of experience. Anyway, I could tell she just wanted to bang. She thought I was attractive. The feeling was mutual. Even though I wasn't there for that, I was fully prepared for it. I was like, hey, let's do this. I'll show you what an average white guy with a normal average white dick can do. Yeah. And she just, I remember vividly, what do you want me to do? And there was probably a million things I could have thought of in that moment. I could have been thinking, like, well, I want you to do this to me. I wouldn't mind trying that. You know, you're cute, so how about this? But what came out was, uh, take your shirt off. That's, all, that, that's what came out. Guys, prepare for this, because it could happen to you, too. We fantasize about it. Like, if a girl was here right now and she said, what do you want me to do to you? What do you want me to do? I'll do anything. Just be prepared for an answer. I wasn't. You know? It's not, it's not like I ever thought that was going to happen. Some hot older chick was like, what do you want me to do? I'm yours. I was not ready for this because I just didn't think it would happen to me. I was a normal guy. And I just said, take your shirt off. And she did. To this day, one of the nicer racks that I've ever seen. And I was... I probably took longer than I remember taking, just looking and taking the moment in, like, <laughs> whoa. And what happened was we did not have sex. I, I'm sorry if, if that's what you were hoping happened, but it did not happen. Uh, after she took her shirt off, we laid in bed. She still had her bottoms on. I still had my clothes on. She just laid there smoking ganja and passing it back and forth. And I just remember while she was not looking at me, I was staring right at her tits. I was, it was like a magnet. And then when she would make eye contact with me, of course my eyes would, would act like they weren't just staring the whole time. And I had heard prior to this that this girl may or may not have very, very loose, floppy vagina lips. I had heard about this, and so of course that was in the back of my mind. Like, I, I want no part of an Arby's roast beef sandwich. But we, uh, we slowly worked into cuddling and whatnot, and I did reach down, and I'm expecting to, to flick a bean, if you've never heard that expression. Like, oh, flick my bean. That's what girls are thinking. They just want you to flick their bean. Whether it's with your finger or your tongue, they want you to flick that bean because that's great for them. That's essentially a hand job. And, uh... So I did, I reached down, and it didn't feel like any vagina I had ever felt like, you know, I had ever felt, uh, it felt like if you opened a bag of water balloons and dumped them on the floor and closed your eyes and reached down, that's what it felt like. A bag of water balloons, empty ones, like rubbery and loose, and it didn't even feel like a normal vagina. And at that point, I did some quick thinking, like, obviously I'm not going to dive face first into that, God knows what'll be crawling on my face the next day. So, uh, after exploring a little bit, I, uh, realized this just isn't happening. The rumors were true. Haley, if you're listening to this, for whatever reason, 
Uh, I'm sorry. You need to you need to have some sort of operation done. You gotta fix that stuff. I could have climbed inside of there twirling a cane. Insane. I had never experienced anything like it. So we didn't do it. We just kind of cuddled and fell asleep. And I woke up. I remember waking up going, Whoa, it hit me again. Like, hot chick, big huge tits. Right next to me. Whoa. And I just remember getting up, you know, putting my shirt back on. And walking home. And I was smiling from ear to ear the whole way. Acting like I had just destroyed some older hot chick when I, in fact, I hadn't. We just, we cuddled. So I felt like a bit of a bitch. But there's no way my average white dong would have destroyed a monster of that magnitude. So anyway, yeah, I get it. I get it why sluts love black guys. Because it takes a Pringles can to fill a cavern like that, you know? A normal white guy isn't going to be able to destroy that in the way that she wants. So that's the Haley story. I have several other girl stories, and I think we'll cover them, just because then I can take them out of my notes and cover other content in future podcasts. <clears throat> so let's go with... Oh, this one's funny. Uh, I wrote down Addison and Creepy Kid's story. Creepy Kid. So my cousin Danielle, her son Addison, I'm not sure how old he is now, but at the time... I went up to visit in uh, Hibbing, Minnesota, and I stayed at my aunt's house, my aunt Lori. I love Lori. Hello, Lori, if you ever listen to this. And her daughter Danielle is my cousin, naturally. That's how the family tree works. And Danielle's son Addison was probably six at the time. And I... This was like a fucking horror movie. It's still traumatizing to this day. So... It's dark. I'm sleeping, or I'm trying to sleep, rather. You know, I'm sleeping on the couch in their living room. It's very dark, but it is lit enough that if someone was in the room and they smiled at you, you could tell they're smiling. You know, like, that's an idea of how bright it was in the room. Just dark, but light enough to tell figures. Silhouettes. And so, I'm laying there, and I, I, I don't know if I had just woken up or if I was trying to fall asleep, but it's like 2, 3 in the morning. You can hear the clock ticking because there's no other sound in the room. Tick, tick, tick. And I just feel, I feel some sort of, uh, I don't know, it's like a sixth sense, you know, when you're being stared at. And I'm, I'm facing the couch. So I was sleeping on the couch, and I was facing the part that you would normally have your back on. And... I just, f I feel like I'm being stared at, but I'm like, what the heck? There's only me, Laurie, Danielle, and Addison here. Four people. And all the bedrooms are upstairs, except for Laurie's, which is on the main floor, but the door is closed. And so I'm just thinking, weird. And then I hear breathing. I hear, <sighs> and it's almost like someone's out of breath. Super creepy. And so my heart sinks in my chest. I'm like, okay, clearly there's somebody in the room with me right now. Who is this? Is, did someone break in? I'm like, am I about to get stabbed? What the fuck? So I slowly turn around because I'm thinking, if there is somebody in the room, I don't want them to know that I'm awake and notice them because then they're going to shoot me. I turn around and Addison is standing over me, looking down at me, breathing heavy, and he's just staring at me with these dead eyes. And I got goosebumps. The hair on the back of my neck stood up. My heart rate just skyrocketed. 
It scared the fuck out of me. It was the creepiest shit I had ever seen. He's like, <sighs> and I was like, holy shit, what are you doing? That's what I said out loud. I was like, what, what are you doing, Edison? And then his breathing calmed and slowed, and he started breathing normal, and he looked, the, the look on his face went away like he was a normal, innocent kid again. And I just remember laying there, all right, don't get me wrong, I could have kicked his ass, but that wasn't my mindset at the time. I was so creeped out, and I was paralyzed. It was the scariest thing ever. And then he didn't say anything. He just took off. He ran. He ran across the living room and ran upstairs, and I heard doot, 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 doot meaning he went back up the stairs and went to bed. And I just remember laying there going, Oh my God! Oh, what the fuck was that? That was some creepy shit. I was not ready for that. Super scary. That's still traumatizing. That's not a girl story, but that's a, that's a story that I had in my notes. Thought I would share that with you guys. So, the next story that I have is called the Anissa, or Anissa. N-A-N-I-S-S-A. -S -S -A. Anissa? Anissa story. So anyway, let's let's go over that. Some background information, just so this story makes sense to you. Never hung out with this chick. Never even met her IRL in real life. Never met her. Uh, she added me on Facebook. She was from the same town I went to. She went to the same school I went to, but was a few years younger, so I just didn't know her. I knew her brother. And uh, she's a uh, fucking lesbian or bisexual or something. I don't know. Um, anyway, she... Uh, added me and I added her because that's what guys do. When a girl adds them on Facebook, if the girl isn't ugly, you're 100% getting accepted as a friend. Unless the guy is gay. Sorry, you're barking up the wrong tree. Well, anyway, I had no idea that she was so into the LBGTQRSTUVWXY and sometimes Z group. She was part of that LGBT transgender fucking, you know, those people, the extremely liberal douchebags, and I didn't know. Well, I remember one day making a post on Facebook saying, like, there are only two genders, there are not 76, uh, if you're born with a dick, you're a guy, if you're born with a vagina, you're a girl, That you don't need to make things more complicated than they are. If Brock Lesnar says, oh, I feel like a woman today, and then joins the female MMA, you know, squad, and starts beating the shit out of women, I can't respect that, yada yada. So anyway... She uh, just goes nuts. She goes ballistic. All caps. Now, if you're, if you're on Facebook, the only way to demonstrate any sort of anger or excitement is with either exclamation points, periods, commas, or all caps. These are ways that you demonstrate how you're feeling. If you're yelling at somebody like, Fuck you, you piece of shit! Okay, everything has to be in caps. Because otherwise, you're just saying, Fuck you, you are a piece of garbage. And so anyway, everything was in all caps, exclamation points. You're a piece of shit. You're a bigot. Fuck you. I hope you die. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, damn, woman. We barely know each other. This is how you're going to accost me? Well, I unfriended her. Because I was like, I don't need everybody else that is on Facebook to see this. I don't need everybody else to see that this is the type of person that I would associate with because my reputation is on the line. I am a content maker. I'm not world famous or renowned, but in my group of a thousand people on Facebook, I, I put out content. I make videos. I make frequent statuses. I have over 10,000 photos. You know, it's not like you're a celebrity, but people expect a certain level of output from you, from you know, of content. 
And so I thought, I can't have dumb bitches like this being all cunty on my Facebook because other people will see this and it makes me look bad. She instigated this, not me. So I unfriend her. And then all of a sudden, I get a friend request from some other chick. And I'm like, wow, the timing here is strange. Uh, mutual friends? Yep, Anissa. Okay, so I turn it down. I'm like, obviously her friend is trying to add me so she can say a bunch more shit. Then I get another one from some other chick who looks like dyed pink hair, big gauged earrings, glasses, typical feminist look. And I was like, yeah, um, hello, Anissa's friend. No, not happening. And then I get an inbox message from some other chick. That's really fucked up. You really, that's violence, blah, blah, blah. The words that you feel are violence. And I'm like, geez, I didn't realize I had triggered somebody so badly. We're going to have another podcast in the future here where I discuss my experience with said people more thoroughly. But that's the Anissa story. Bitches are crazy. Do not disagree with them because they do not like it when you disagree with them and say things that they don't like. Don't do it! The Sarah story. I can take this one off now, after I tell it, of course. Because this one was sort of like the Haley story in that it gave me a slight boost in confidence. Like, hey, I'm not over the hill after all. Girls still want me. And for a normal guy like me, I'm not Brad Pitt. I'm not fucking, I don't know, uh, what's the name of the guy that played Jax Teller in Sons of Anarchy? Charlie fucking, I don't know. I'm not the kind of guy who can just walk into a room and have any girl I want. So for me, when a girl does hit on me, if she's attractive, it's a slight boost in confidence. Like, yeah, I still got it, baby. So anyway, I uh, get a friend request from this girl named Sarah. I don't remember her last name, otherwise I would tell you, even though last names aren't important. Because fuck this bitch. But anyway, very pretty. And it's not a fake bot account, it's a real one. It's a real girl. Real grill. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't know how you know me or what, you know, I don't know if you follow me or what, but I accept this. You are not ugly. You receive my friendship. Um, so then she messages me one day and it just says four words. You're too far away. Four words. And I responded like, what? I'm too far away? And she said, yes. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't have time for this. You need to get to the point. What do you mean I'm too far away? Let's, let's can the formalities, forget the small talk. What are you talking about? And she said, you're too far away to get to me. And I was like, what? Uh, okay, I'm too far away to get to you? And it turns out she's from Texas. And she must have known that I was from Minnesota. She must have been doing some stalking, some creeping. And I said, okay, I'm sorry. Well, surely there's a fine gentleman in Texas that, you know, will make you feel better. And she's like, I'd rather have a guy from Minnesota. And I was like, well, I'm sorry. You know, I do have a girlfriend. I'm a good boyfriend. Because anytime I do get hit on, whenever that happens, I, I am sure to announce, yes, I have a girlfriend. Yes, if I was single... I would make the trip to Texas. I am not sorry. Um, and then she said, yeah, okay. And then she unfriended me, like she was offended, like she's used to getting her way, but I, in a way, like I was nice about it. Like we can just, you know, we can keep this rated PG and stay Facebook friends, but sorry, you know? And there's another example of how women can be for you. She was like, ah, 
You're not going to come to Texas and fuck me? Well, fuck you. <laughs> Women. That's the Sarah story. Oh, my favorite and the final female story that I have in my notes here. The Margaret story. So when I was younger, I was friends with this guy named Matt. Um, he was pretty much my only friend in Minnesota. I had bounced back and forth from Minnesota to South Dakota many times for many reasons. Um, let's, let's rewind here. Let's go back and forth. Um, my parents divorced when I was two years old, so I don't remember it, but they divorced. My dad stayed in Minnesota. My mom went to South Dakota. My mom met and married a guy named John, who became my stepfather. My dad met and married a woman named Robin, who became my stepmother. So I'm going to lay the, the groundwork here for this Margaret story, which is years to come at this point. So I'm two, and I go live with my mother and John. Uh, John is a good guy, always has been, hard worker, and he has uh, expectations for people that are much higher than most people have for other people. Meaning, if you're not working 70 hours a week, if you're not getting uh, an 8-year education, then you're a giant pile of shit. Anything below those standards, you're a giant piece of shit. You have to get straight A's, you have to go to college, you have to work 60 to 70 hours a week, otherwise you're a worthless human being. Now, I uh, fit into the category of worthless human being because I did not meet those standards. I'm not the hardest working guy in the world. I'm not the most educated guy in the world. And that is how I grew up. I grew up up until age 12 in that household and he uh, did not make it any secret how he felt. I was not good enough. I did not meet the requirements, and uh, never did honestly feel like that was a home, that was a house. And I always felt like I was a visitor in that house, and I wasn't welcome, and I didn't, I wasn't good enough. Not a good way to have a young child whose mind is like a sponge. Not a good way to grow, to grow up. Not good. Um, I remember my mom had a chat with me when I was 12, and she was basically saying, you know, things are stressful around the house. The way you and John don't see eye to eye, you just can't get along. Meanwhile, I'm fucking 12, sixth grade. I'm going, what am I supposed to do? I, I'm not good enough, you know, I, I never have been. And the opportunity arose that I could go live with my father and stepmother in Minnesota. And I was thinking, well, things at home are not very comfy and cozy here, not very hospitable. Might as well try living with dad and stepmom. So 13 years old, uh, seventh grade, uh, the next year, I go to live in Wadena, Minnesota with my father and stepmother. So I get there and within a week, I know that Robin hates me. She makes it very well known that she just doesn't like kids in general. She has one of her own, but she had actually said several times in the short term that I had known her that she didn't like kids. And boy, I felt much worse there than I did at my mom and stepdad's, and that was saying something because I didn't even feel welcome there. She uh, made me cry several times. Uh, my dad was at work during the day, so I was stuck at home with her, and whether she'll actually say the exact words or not, I hate Ben. She hated me. There was no way around it. I wasn't good enough. I, you know, just, I didn't fit. And so here I am, 13 years old, thinking, where do I go? No, I wanted to live with my grandma. I wasn't, neither house felt like a home. 
neither house was welcome, and it was just not good. So seventh grade I get through, although, you know, slightly traumatizing, if I'm to be honest. Um, but yeah, um, eighth grade I make it halfway through the year. Um, my grades are slipping, I don't have a whole lot of uh, support system going on. My dad works a lot, uh, he had a bit of personal issues of his own during that time in my life, so he wasn't able, like now he's a good dad, he's a good guy, he's hardworking and all that, but during that time he had a bit of a drug problem, bit of a drug problem, and that made it difficult for him to be a bit of a dad, bit of a dad, and so halfway through the eighth grade year, my mom pretty much drives up and comes and gets me. Uh, she sees that my grades are not good, I'm not living in quite a hospitable environment, for lack of a better term, so I go back and for the rest of eighth grade, you know, I show up at school after Christmas break in eighth grade to a group of people, my classmates that I had not seen since sixth grade, I'm like, hey, I'm the new guy. I'm the new student here at Brandon Elementary, Brandon Middle School, excuse me, and uh, you might recognize me, I'm Ben, from a year and a half ago. And so everyone's like, we didn't expect to see you. <laughs> hey. And so I remake Friends, and that's the end of 8th grade, and then all of ninth grade there. And at the end of ninth grade, uh, things have gotten to a point at home where it's just not working out. John wants me to do this much chores and this much school and I'm not working enough, I need to have a job, and I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I'm 14, I'm, I'm a kid, can I be a kid? Well, he has a certain expectation, I wasn't meeting it, that was causing problems between him and my mother, their marriage was suffering because of, well, I guess me, even though I'm just a kid, sort of trapped in this, and my mom has a talk with me at the end of my ninth grade year. I remember it vividly because that's what kids do. They remember shit that is imprinted in their brain. She says, um, you know you're my son and I love you. Uh, I'm your number one fan and where I am welcome, you are welcome. Otherwise, I will not be in said place. That said, it's just really not working with you here. Uh, you know, you can stay here because I'm your mother and I where where I am, you are. That's That's up to you. But I would recommend that you go back to your father's. And I, you know, I'm kind of an old soul, and at that point I realize I don't want to make things tough on you, I don't want to put a strain on your marriage, I'll go, you know. I, you don't have to tell me twice, I know exactly how, you know, things are here. I know how I feel, and I know how things are. I, I'm not wanted here. Okay, so I go back to my father's and stepmother's. Uh, that's sophomore year, so I am 15. And all through 10th grade in Verndale, uh, things are getting increasingly worse at home. Robin is really not uh, enjoying me there. And I, I never got into trouble. I never had any legal problems. I minded my own business. Because of the way things were at home, I played a lot of video games and spent a lot of time minding my own business in my room. So it's not like, uh, let's be objective here, it's not like I was the cause of the problem. I was just growing up and wondering, what am I doing wrong? Why, why did, does neither household want me here? Very sad now that I look back at it, but you know, I, I learned a lot of valuable life lessons. When you're growing up as a child, you expect, and it is expected of the parents, to teach you the right way. Well, I was not taught the right way to do things as a family. I was taught the wrong way, and that, to me, is just as valuable as being taught the right way to do things, because 
knowing the wrong way to do th things uh, eliminates that and it teaches you that you know do the right things so I, I know how to be a good family member and a good parent and I know all these things not because I was shown how but because I was shown how not and so toward the end of uh, sophomore year I'm 15 and I remember my dad and Robin get into a bit of oh, a, a lot of an argument and it's a bad one those walls were never thick enough um, I could hear everything through the wall, the yelling, the screaming. Uh, I will never forget this. My dad and Robin are pretty much screaming at each other, and she throws a coffee cup at him. And because he has spider cat-like reflexes, he dodges it and it hits the wall and shatters. And I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, I've only seen this stuff on Jerry Springer, so this is my life. This is this is really happening. And I'm just like pretty much hiding in my room at this point and I hear things breaking and yelling and my dad leaves and shuts the door and he yells if things are so bad then just fucking leave and then she yells it's me or him now I know because of process of elimination <laughs> that she's talking about me she's basically saying it's me or him Bob Bob is my dad's name and so I'm thinking well what did I do you know why why doesn't she like me I do the chores, I listen, you know, I, I pretty much mind my own business, and my dad has kind of that sit down with me that my mom had the year before. He goes, I love you, you can stay here, you're my son, you're number one, you know, if she doesn't accept you then that's too bad, but you know, it probably would be better for you if you went back to your mom's. And I said, well, I guess I can abandon this year of school and go back and try to become not strangers with the other classmates that I have. So after sophomore year I went back and uh, I lived with my mom and John again because I've got A or B and when A wasn't working I went to B and B wasn't working I went to A and so I bounced back and forth. Um, I finished all of junior and senior year in Brandon, South Dakota and uh, at the beginning of my senior year Mom sort of said, I think we've had this discussion a few times. I think you know what I'm about to say. Um, obviously, you know, because of the tension that you could cut with a knife every day in this household, that things just aren't working. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just, I've, I don't get it. What am I doing? Why does everybody fucking hate me? And I was really frustrated. And she decided, um, you know, this is kind of fucked up. You're just a kid we are going to go get our own apartment. So my senior year, at the, this is before school starts by the way, uh, the summer of senior year, so I start senior year to come, and mom and I get an apartment in Brandon. And she moves back almost instantly, but I stay in the apartment because it's just best that way that I don't go back to the house because, you know, it, it, it creates problems for the marriage, for the family, it's just an odd, tension in the house. So here I am, 17 years old, all my friends and classmates obviously still live with their family, their brothers and sisters and parents, and I all of a sudden am thrown into this life where I have my own apartment. 80% depressing, 20% fucking amazing, the best time of my life. Let me explain. Uh, let me be clear. Uh, I knew that the reason I was there was because I had to be, you know. I, it was very lonely most of the time. 
I had my first and only girlfriend at the time. I'm 17, you know. And so you're just... It's not like I've been with a girl before, but all of a sudden I've got a girlfriend, and I've got my own place, and I've got friends coming over, and we're smoking weed, and we're drinking, and I'm banging my girlfriend with double D, perfect 17-year-old boobs, and life is just great in that aspect. But that's during the day, right? That's during the time when people are there. And then people go home, because people are kids, they have curfews. And those were the loneliest times of my life. As soon as the last person left the apartment and I closed the door, I realized it's just me. There's no brothers and sisters, nobody's here except me. And so the nighttime hours of said apartment life were just very lonely and sad. And I just remember thinking, what did I do? I asked myself that a lot. 28 years old, still don't understand what I did. But uh, uh, my very existence was was bothersome to a couple of other individuals in my life and because of that there I was I was alone so it was a love-hate thing eventually my mom and John had a talk with me and they were like we want you to come back home and I was like well this is so weird I remembered packing up my stuff at the end of that apartment stay at the end of my senior year and I packed up all my stuff and I remember walking into that house my stepfather and mother and sisters were there and it was so weird I didn't even feel like one of them I remember feeling like I'm a guest in this house again here I am I'm going to unpack my stuff we'll see how long this lasts it was so weird because it didn't feel like it was my home I was basically moving into someone else's house imagine that if you can so yeah uh, needless to say I had a great upbringing pretty amazing I didn't turn out to be a serial killer my fucking I was raised in a super fucked up way and I wouldn't wish it upon anybody. Not that some people don't have it worse. There are plenty of people who have it worse, but definitely not ideal. Definitely had an effect on who I am today because when you're growing up, like I said, you're a child, your mind is like a sponge, and you're not meant to see or hear things that I heard. It's not supposed to go that way. You know, it's not healthy. And my sisters got a little bit of it because, you know, they were in that house too, but. It was nothing like what I experienced. <laughs> we definitely were raised very differently. So, uh, after senior year, I mean, at the beginning of podcast six, I explained that I went to college and didn't finish college because I was unable to fulfill my duties. Just couldn't fucking concentrate. Shitty upbringing. Best friend committed suicide. Grandma and grandpa are dead. Got out of a long relationship. Brokenhearted. Super depressed. Very dark times. In the words of George St. Pierre, the UFC legend, people have no idea how dark I am in my head sometime. He has a French-Canadian accent, and I thought I just portrayed it very well there. I'm going to pat myself on the back for that. Good, good impression. So anyway, the Margaret story. This is all lead up to the Margaret story. I needed to give you the backstory on all that because this explains why I'm in Minnesota and not South Dakota. So, uh... I have a friend named, I did have a friend named Matt at the time. Um, Matt was always a douchebag, but he was a friend of mine that was a douchebag. Not, not many people liked him, and even less people like him today. We'll get to that, maybe in a future podcast. Uh, we'll call it the Matt story. Um, yeah, he, he was just, he was always very selfish, very, very lazy, uh, huge douchebag, but I liked him. 
he was my friend, you know? I, I stuck up for him. Most people didn't like him, and most people talked shit about him, but I, but I stuck up for him because he was my friend. I knew he was a giant fag, but he was my giant fag, you know, as a friend. And so he, uh, one day, okay, I think we were 20 at this time, 21, I don't know. We, we were old enough to drink, I guess, 21. So he uh, messages me. He's like, what do you think of Margaret? And I'm like, well, uh, my stepbrother dated her. Um, she's 15. Uh, what more do you want me to say? She's fucking 15. She was very attractive, very physically pretty, um, a head turner. Like physically, you don't get a whole lot better looking than Margaret was, but she was 15. So it's like, we got to wait a few years before I really tell you how I feel here. This is, this is weird. You know, and he goes, well, I remember this one time you told me that uh, the age thing, that's just a cultural thing. And I remember that conversation because it all, it's, it's all, uh, it depends on where you're from, really. You know, it's perspective. Uh, if you live in a third world country and you're in some fucking African tribe where they wear cloth over their giant BBCs, okay? As soon as the girl in the village has her period at 12 or 13, she's getting fucked, you know? They're, they're, as soon as they hit puberty, boom, they're getting fucked by dudes who are like 40 in the village. They don't look at it as, oh, she's only 13, that's fucked up, you're a pedophile. Or as the English people would say, pedophile. They don't look at it like that. They look at it like, okay, she's become a woman now, she's 12, 13, but she had her period, so we're going to make children to further the village. She is a young mother now. Now in America, if you even talk about that, you're going to prison. Oh, I fucked a 13-year-old, really? Okay, uh, put your hands on the hood, sir. You're under arrest, as it should be, because that's our culture. In our culture, it's fucked up to bang a 13, 14-year-old girl. And I just remember telling him that briefly, like, yeah, it's, it just depends on where you're from, really, you know? Uh, some places it's 18, some places it's 16, some places it's fucking 12. But this isn't the Serengeti, motherfucker. This is America. And he goes, yeah, I remember you talking to me about that. <clears throat> so what would you think if I told you that I was dating her? And I said, well, um, I'm 21, 20, 21, whatever. And you're nine months older than me, so 21, 22, whatever. And you're telling me that you're dating a 15-year-old? What? And he goes, yeah, I mean, age is just a number, right? And I'm like, yeah, until the cops find out. Then your ass will be in prison. I can't be your friend then. You know? And so it turns out they were dating. Matt and Margaret were dating. And in hindsight, now that I look back on it, it's because he couldn't get any other girlfriend. He had to be with a young girl that was impressionable and dumb and slutty because he couldn't get any self-respecting girl. He's not exactly uh, Mr. Looks or Mr. Personality. And he, he lied a lot and he stole a lot. He was basically just a giant loser. But he was my friend. So I stuck up for him. And... I just remember thinking, how everybody knows that you're official. How is this possible that you're still not in prison? Like, you're, you're officially, it's on Facebook. Everybody knows that you're dating. You're like 21, 22, 23, whatever the fuck you were. And she's 15. She's a sophomore in high school. How are you banging her? And she was very pretty, but that's the extent of what I will say. I mean, one, because she was 15, and two, because she was a giant cunt. She hated everyone that was her fr his friend. She hated everyone that basically talked to him. She was very jealous and psychotic, much like my ex, and couldn't keep her shit together. 
And so eventually, um, as most girlfriend, all girlfriends of Matt's did, Stacy cheated on him. Uh, Kayla cheated on him. Margaret cheated on him. Uh, Allison, you know, you name it, they cheated on him because, well, it's not just coincidence. If every girlfriend you've ever had cheats on you, you know you're a piece of shit. <laughs> if one girlfriend does it, you're like, okay, well, she was a cunt. You know, couldn't keep her legs closed. But if every single girlfriend that you ever have cheats on you, you got to start to think, what's wrong with me? Like, what? It's not just coincidence anymore at five or six girlfriends. So anyway. Margaret cheated on him, as they all did. I mean, you can't blame her. And so they're not together anymore. Um, and M Margaret gets after me one day, just randomly, out of the blue. I'm at um, WeFest, which takes place once a year. It's a world-renowned country music festival in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. And I'm at WeFest, backstage, meeting the celebrities, <coughs> because Taylor, my girlfriend... Her family gets backstage passes every year. Um, they do the celebrity meet and greet and they get their handprints in the cement and everything. So in return for that, <clears throat> I get to meet the celebrities. It's pretty cool. I check my Facebook while I'm back there and I had made some sort of status about how sluts are just awful. I hate girls who can't get enough dick and that's the highlight of their life. I just hate it when that's all you look forward to is just fucking another guy and adding another one to your beef curtain sandwich vagina number and I hate that. I had made some sort of <clears throat> status about that on Facebook and I hadn't checked my Facebook in a while but then I check it and all of a sudden Margaret has just blown up that post. Like, you're so judgmental, what the fuck is your problem? Why do you hate women so much? You're a bigot, you're a misogynist, you hate women, you don't want women to be sexual. And I'm like, whoa, 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 easy, Dr. Phil. Go do this on someone else's post. I voiced my opinion. You can have your own opinion, but this is my Facebook page, and I will not allow you to be a cunt on it, because other people will see this, and as mentioned before, that makes me look worse. I already look like a jerk because... I go against the grain and I voice my opinion and a lot of people disagree with a lot of the shit I say, but I will never say something I don't mean. That's one thing I've never understood about people who talk shit and then take it back. I will never take it back and I will never apologize because I don't say things I don't mean. People get angry and they get flustered and they're like, oh, and they say a bunch of shit and later like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. Well, that's not me. What I say, I mean, and I meant it. I hate sluts. I hate girls that just destroy their pussies because they can't get enough mushroom. And Margaret was one of these girls. By the time she was 18, now I was friends with a friend of hers, okay? So uh, she was probably more her friend than mine, obviously, but this friend of hers told me she's been with 44 guys. And I remember thinking, she's 18! What do you mean she's been with 44 guys? That's fucked up! And I remember thinking, well, Matt was 22 and banging her when she was 15. I guess it makes sense. You start at an early age. Probably wouldn't take long to get to 44. But I was like in denial. I was like, what the fuck? Close your goddamn legs. You're going to be so worn out and blown out and no guy is going to want you. Like, uh, okay. So I remember making my rebuttal on Facebook. As you knew, you type in your... You type in your response like, well, you're a slut. Obviously, you're sticking up for sluts because this really hit home, didn't it? If the shoe fits, wear it. I hate you too. Go be Dr. Phil somewhere else. Peace. So I unfriend her. I'm like, God, you really ruined my day. 
I don't need chicks who are giant whores trying to talk down to me. No thanks. And that's the Margaret story. That's really all there is to it because I never heard from her again. I went from having a history with her because she dated my stepbrother, so I knew her then. She dated my at-the-time friend, obviously no longer a friend, because eventually douchebag's gonna douchebag, right? I had stuck up for him enough, I had defended his name enough, but I just couldn't do that anymore after certain events. I couldn't stick up for him anymore. Like I jumped on the bandwagon. Everybody doesn't like him. I don't like him now either. It happens. But Margaret... To, her, to linger on like that and then try to talk down to me. I was like, no, bitch, you don't get to do that. No, I don't. Now, you should always punch down, or, or up, rather. I'm sorry, you should always punch up. Like, if you're uh, criticizing somebody, don't do it to somebody who is less than you, right? So I wasn't going to do that. She's less than me. She's beneath me. She's basically a cum dumpster, and she's younger than me, and just not a smart person, not a friendly person, and she's going to try and talk to me like I'm judgmental and a prick? I don't think so. It doesn't work that way. You know, uh, 100% of successful people, 100%, you know what they don't do? The thing they all have in common is they don't criticize people who are below them. They don't have time for that. They don't stoop to their level and get into arguments with people. Like, do you think Elon Musk ever gets on Twitter and starts arguing with people who have criticism for him? No, he's busy winning. He's busy succeeding and accomplishing shit. And I do not consider myself on the level of Elon Musk. Nobody is on the level of him. That's just the example I used. I don't punch down. I punch up. You know? You, you strive to be a certain way. You don't look down and criticize. And so I just unfriended her. I was done with her. That's it. I don't have time for people like that in my life. <clears throat> so I don't say it if I don't mean it. Um, okay, let's see. 53.50, so we're coming up on one hour. I will tell one more story. And this is the weed middleman story. That's what I have in my notes because that's what it was. I was the weed middleman. Pretty, uh, pretty interesting story. So this took place when I was... 16. Just, you know, pretty much a kid still, but getting up in age to where I'm getting to be a young adult. But I'm a kid. I'm 16. So I'm smoking weed at this time, right? Well, <clears throat> I I am asked by an older classmate named Sheridan. Names are not important, last names. So I'll just give you his first name, Sheridan. He asks me, so uh, I know these two dudes, fucking Arabian as fuck. He doesn't know them personally, but he knows somebody who knows them and they're asking for weed these these dudes are not like legit americans they're arab as fuck they're here for a short time they're wanting some weed and so i'm like yeah i guess i mean i can hook it up i'm 16 i know a guy who gets me weed i could get them weed he asks me and so i'm like well how much should i get six ounces six and i'm like okay that's the largest amount of weed that I've ever even heard of anybody wanting to buy. When I get weed, it's an eighth of an ounce, a quarter of an ounce max, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, okay, well, give me some time. I'll bring this up, I'll ask my buddy Devin here. <clears throat> Last names are not important, just Devin. My weed guy at the time. And I was like, okay. So I tell Devin, I'm like, dude, I know this is gonna sound strange, but can you get six ounces for me? And he goes, uh, I guess. 
do you have the money for six ounces? And I'm like, well, I'm kind of being the middleman here just as a favor. Yeah, I, I, I can get it. And so he's like, all right, let me know. Hold on, I gotta take this shot. Ah, gross. Not much chaser left. So he says, yeah, just let me know. I can get six ounces if you give me the moolah for six ounces. I didn't think about it at the time. But you get caught with six ounces, that's a felony. You're fucking going to prison. I'm not sure how they would treat it because I'm 16. But if you're an adult and you get caught with that much, you're going to prison. And I didn't even think about that because you're young and dumb and you don't consider consequences. And I'm just like, yeah, I'll just... These people I don't know who could have very well been undercover cops, people from another country, they're here just visiting. They don't even live here. And they're asking me for six ounces. Should raise a bunch of red flags. But it doesn't because I'm 16. I'm dumb. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. So I get back to Sheridan and I'm like, yeah, I can get six ounces. This is the most fucked up request I've ever, you know, who wants six ounces? They're here for a week or two and they want that much? Like, what's going on here? No red flags. I'm 16. Forgive me. So... I uh, I get the call from Devin. He's like, yeah, I uh, I can give you the six ounces, but I'm going to need the money, like up front. I can't just front six ounces. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. That's understandable. So I uh, meet up with Sheridan, who gives me this money from these two dudes I've never met and don't know. And so all of a sudden, I have a shit ton of money. And I think Devin charged like, 250 bucks an ounce or 300 bucks an ounce anyway it's less than two thousand dollars but it's a shit ton of money it's like 1800 bucks 1600 i don't remember exactly it's a lot of fucking money more money than i've ever held and so i get 1600 bucks and looking back could have easily just run off with it and been like fuck you but i didn't and i'm glad i didn't i'll get to that so i get the money and i go to devon's who lives in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, big city, 130,000 people, maybe more now. And I bring the money and I get six ounces. And I, this was like fucking 11 a.m. And I wasn't even supposed to <clears throat> meet with Sheridan until like that night. So I'm like, wow, I have to hold on to six ounces all day and I'm driving around with it. And this is really stupid. But. I have the six ounces and I put it in my bowling bag. Um, if you've never been uh, an ambitious, like, dedicated bowler, then you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. If you're really into bowling, you don't just go to a bowling alley and rent shoes and pick out a ball that fits. You have all that stuff. I had a towel, pairs of shoes, three balls of my own that are all different for, you know, picking up spares and balls are different so I've got a big ass like duffel bag that I wheel around and it weighs a lot and it's big it's got all the bowling equipment in it like spray and rosin and baby powder anyway I put the six ounces in there and I went bowling later that night you know that evening with a bunch of people and so I'm like waiting for Sheridan to call and I'm, I'm in the middle of bowling. You know, there's like six people, me and a bunch of friends, some girls, some guys, we're bowling. And my phone rings. And it, it's Sheridan. And he's like, hey man, uh, just to let you know, I told them that you're at the bowling alley and they're coming. And I'm like, wait, wait, what? What do you mean they're coming? I was going to meet up with you. You know, 
And he goes, oh no, it's them. And I was like, okay, I guess I can run it out to them. And so all of a sudden my phone rings. It's some number I don't get, but I figure I'm expecting to meet up with these people in the parking lot. So I better answer. And I answer. And these fucking like super Indian dudes, Arab or whatever they are, they're like, are you Ben? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, we're the guys. And I, I said, oh, okay. Uh, so what, how's this going down here? And they were like, come out to the parking lot. And I'm kind of going, okay. So in the middle of bowling, I don't say anything to anyone else because nobody knows this is happening except me. I'm just thinking, all right, I'm going to bring my bowling bag out there because this is not going to look weird at all. I'm just going to get up in the middle of a bowling game, bring my bowling bag out there, and then come back in with my bowling bag. This isn't strange at all. Hopefully nobody's watching because I don't know how else I'm supposed to do this. So I get up. I'm like, guys, be right back. Run out to my car. And I grab my bowling bag, and people are looking at me like, well, if he's going out to his car, why does he have an empty bowling bag? All his balls are here. His shoes are here. But I'm sure they're like, okay, whatever. See you, dude. And so I, I wheel out the six ounces. I put on my tennis shoes. I wheel it out to the parking lot. And I get out there, and it's dark, you know. It's a dark parking lot. It's nighttime. Bowling alley. A lot of cars. Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And I don't see anybody. And I'm like, I reach into my pocket, I go to grab my phone, like I'm going to call this number back and be like, uh, guys, are you at the right bowling alley? There's three of them in Sioux Falls. And this car rolls up, and it's this junker car. And these two fucking Arab dudes look like uh, Osama bin fucking, you name it, mix a bunch of Arab and Iraqi people together. Uh, Saddam Hussein, Osama bin Laden, just like if you... These dudes who are clearly not American, basically. They roll up in this car and roll the window down and they're like, Ben? And I'm like, yeah, hi, uh, I have your delivery. And they, they, the one in the driver's seat goes, get in the car. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, my heart sank in my chest. I'm like, oh, no. Uh, no, um, I see, I'm in the middle of a bowling game and I got to get back. They're, my friends are... Um, here's your stuff and the guy goes get in the car and I was like ah fuck so super scared at this point so I get in the back seat <clears throat> and I was like here here it is you know take it and the one in the passenger seat turns back and he goes we're going to go somewhere and I was like no 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 um that's see Sheridan didn't mention anything like this um I I don't have the money I, I got the stuff you need with it here it is it's all here I mean, I didn't weigh it at the time, and I was just counting on Devin to be honest and give me the right amount, and I'm like, oh, fuck, and then they, he just starts driving with me in the car, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm thinking, this is it. I've seen beheading videos. I know what you fucks do. You know, I've seen what, this isn't going to end well. I'm shitting my pants, trying to act like I'm not, you know, I'm acting cool. I'm 16. These guys, so he does not pull a gun the one on the passenger seat. He pulls a knife. And I'm like, holy fuck. And he goes, don't worry, you're going to be fine. And I was like, okay. So we pull into this dark alley in behind some fucking body shop, some re auto repair shop. And he goes, hand me the stuff. And I reached into my bowling bag and I handed it to him. And I was like, what's going on here? Can I go? This like, I gotta go, you know? My parents, and I made up some lie like about my parents. And they were like, 
don't worry. And he pulls out this triple beam balance scale, not even a digital scale. It's one of those fucking ones where you set something on the left and something on the right and they have to be balanced. And it was a triple, what, triple balance, triple beam balance. I don't remember what the name of it was, but it was some ghetto ass scale and sets it on on the center console thing between the driver's seat and passenger seat. And I, I'm in my head, I'm like, okay, well, we're not on a level surface. Already the odds are against me. And he goes, hand it here, hand the stuff here. And I'm like, okay, so I reach in and I hand it to him. And he sets it on there and he goes, six ounces. And I was like, yeah. And I'm thinking, God damn it, Devin, of all times, if you fucking pinched any, if you took some, I'm fucked. I don't know what's going on here. I'm like, I'm my heart's racing and I'm trying not to have a high-pitched bitch voice like, huh, okay, you know, I'm trying to be cool. I'm trying to act like I've been there before when I haven't. And he sets it on there and they like say some shit in their language. And then he puts the scale down and takes the stuff and he goes, good, it's all here. And I was like, yep, never a doubt. Holy fuck. And my heart's just pounding. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm just a kid. What's going on here? And he goes, Thank you. And then we drive out of the um, out of the parking lot, and we head back to the bowling alley. And he just he unlocks the door, and he goes, "Thank you. You can go back now." And I was like, "Oh my God!" And I get out of the car, and I close the door behind me, and they just drive off. And I'm standing there, and my heart's like, "Dun dun 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 dun," and I'm like, "Okay." And so. I walk back in and I go back and I sit down and they're like, dude, we waited long enough for you. We just bowled for you. And I was like, yeah, okay. And they were like, what's up? Where did you go? Are, are you all right? And they're looking at me and I'm like, um, I didn't feel good. You know, I made up some bullshit. I'm sure they all were like, yeah, okay. What did you do? Druggy? Go out and smoke some crack. You know, they're looking at me like, he looks like he's seen a ghost. And I remember thinking at the time, like, I was counting my blessings, like, holy shit, that was so fucked up. And then the, uh, I text Sheridan, I'm like, what the fuck? And he goes, what? And I'm like, that was so fucked up. And he goes, what? Did you give him the stuff? And I said, yeah, I, there was a lot more to it than that. And he goes, oh, well, like, how'd it go? And I, I explained everything to him and he goes, dude, I've never met those guys. I just, you know, I know a coworker who knows them. And they just said they were going to go get it. I didn't know, you know, any of that was going to go down. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> this, that's the last time I do some shady shit like that. Super, it was one of the scariest moments of my life. And to this day, even. Like, I would freak out now, even more so, if that happened. And, and then for him to be like, oh, I didn't know him. I never met those guys. I just, I was told by my coworker guy that they're going to be meeting at the bowling alley and picking up their stuff. And I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Super scary shit. So uh, lesson learned, don't volunteer to be the middleman. I got nothing out of it. I didn't get any extra money, extra weed. I was the middleman for free. And I did all that. And boy, that was an experience. He pulls out this fucking crocodile Dundee knife and I'm in the car. And he's like, you're going to be fine. And so I'm now I'm thinking like, would I have been fine if he weighed that and not all the six ounces were there? Like what if it was five and a half ounces? What if the scale was off or what if Devin had taken some stuff, you know, 
Like, what was the point of the knife? Just to fuck with me? Were they laughing about it and saying shit in their own language? Like, they never would have hurt me, but they wanted to see my reaction? Or were they fucking serious gangster motherfuckers who would have slit my throat? Like, I don't know. It could have been either one. I could have never been in danger the entire time, or I could have been in a lot of danger. I will never know. But, either way, I got out, and I just remember thinking, what the fuck? And after, after I kind of calmed down, a few days later, I just remember feeling like such a badass. Like, yeah, I did some real gangster shit. And I just remember thinking that. And of course, I told people after the fact. But at the time, I, I thought I better not say anything. And as a young man, I'm sitting there thinking, I just did something badass. And like, now the world better watch out. Because if I can, you know, be cool during that, I can be cool during anything. And I look back now, I'm like, I'm just a dumb kid could have easily just been stabbed in that fucking car parking lot but it didn't happen nothing happened i was fine that's my weed middleman story um one hour and eight minutes in so i'm going to wrap this podcast up and we'll call this the end of episode six and i will start fresh with other content slash stories in episode seven so thanks for listening ben again episode six volume six part two um Have a good day, everybody. Happy February 1st. Smelly bitches.